This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. The fact that they keep throwing George Soros's name, we've talked a lot on the, on the in, in our show meetings, is it definitely feels like a dog whistle that is dangerous. It absolutely feels like a dog whistle that's dangerous. Look, most of these groups, the Oath Keepers, Boogaloo Boys, Proud Boys, they all subscribe to what you you are all referring to as the Great Replacement Theory, which is that idea that the majority of the white population is is, is being replaced. And this is why we see these spikes in in racism, these spikes in anti-Semitism is because they are ascribing to this belief and it's stoking this this division. So uh, a lot of people say that uh, we just uh, played a soundbite just about people who when you attack George Soros, it's because you're you uh, you're afraid of the replacement series. It's white supremacists that are against George Soros financing all these DAs that are allowing crime to run rampant. With me in studio is Gregory Zuckerman, Wall Street Journal special writer, author of The Shot That Saved the World, The Man Who Solved the Market. And uh, and uh, Greg just wrote a great column on uh, George Soros handing over the control to his 37-year-old son and what it means for our political environment and a little bit about his background. Greg, you've heard that before. When people come against George Soros, oh, that's because you're afraid whites are going to – it's a white replacement theory. It's crazy. Listen, there's a lot of reason why people are concerned about George Soros and are upset by George Soros. I don't think it's all or even most of it related to his religion. I think a lot of it is his policies. You can argue they're helpful to the country, they're harmful, but yeah, you don't want to get caught up in the everything that Soros does and criticizing him is anti-Semitic. I wouldn't argue that either. Right. So tell me about Soros and the handing over of power and why everyone should be uh, should be aware. Yeah, so George Soros is among the most influential individuals uh, in this country. I think sometimes we go overboard on pointing blame at him. I think we, he doesn't kind of—he's not no puppet master moving things around. But yeah, he—he's got this empire. He's got uh, a foundation. He's got a pack that are worth billions of dollars, and he has been behind the election. He's not responsible for them, but he's behind. He's funded the election of all kinds of district attorneys around this country and local officials that are progressive. So it's important to understand who he is and not overstate what he does, but and understand that this handing over of power to his son is really important for us all. How do you make his money? He was... I was going to say an investor. You can't even call him an investor. He's a speculator. He'll admit he was a speculator, meaning that he bet on currencies, on stocks, on bonds all over the world. And he made over a billion dollars betting against the British pound. Nothing wrong with that. Um, He's a capitalist and he'll admit as much. Yes. Uh, Why is he in America? He uh, was an immigrant from Germany, got out uh, during the Holocaust with his family, and he first just focused on funding things like uh, Central Park and some innocuous kind of things. He then helped abroad and also some really helpful efforts, universities, helping democracies. But then when he started getting involved in politics, it became very controversial. And specifically, he said that stopping George George W. Bush's reelection campaign was his number one goal. He uh, failed. 
He failed there. I mean, frankly, his, uh, why was he upset at George W. Bush? It was about the, about the Iraq war. And frankly, in hindsight, uh, he – a lot of Republicans agree with those concerns. But then he took on other kinds of issues, uh, more progressive issues, and he's a, a left-leaning guy. His impact with these left-leaning DAs funding campaigns that usually get very little funding has done what in San Francisco, Philadelphia, New York, Los Angeles – well, listen, um, on the one hand, I think it's important to know that these DAs have been elected and often reelected. So you can't just say, well, George Soros installed these DAs. I think the right goes overboard saying that. That said, well, does he do a moderate and a left wing? So it makes uh, so he gets one or the other. I, I think it's we don't want to overstate his power and his control. That said, these DAs, um, the, the election of these DAs has coincided with rising crime often. You think so? Uh, Chesa Bodine got finally voted out. How the guy in Los Angeles is still there is, is insane. Alvin Bragg's an embarrassment to the country. And when you have very few financing coming into these, most, dem- most of these cities are Democratic-leaning. And then if you put $125,000 into a race, it usually gets fifty. It really makes a difference. Yeah, George Soros was very early in realizing that these local campaigns are really important. Now everyone else has caught on and realizes that we that they have to get involved locally and in terms of these these elected officials, not not just DAs but others as well. Um, so George Soros, listen, he, what are his concerns have been? Racial bias, incarceration rates. He would argue, and his people argue that. Well, and they've told me, well, Greg, look at our country. Why are we putting so many people in prison. Now, again, that's the progressive liberal view. I don't think he's trying to undermine this country. I get emails all the time. He's a Nazi. He's trying to hurt us. No, but we can disagree with what he's trying to do. Um, I would argue that maybe um, some of these policies need to be rethought. Yeah, I would argue that's a very (laughs) moderate way of doing it. Here's Governor Ron DeSantis. He has a, a different opinion of you. I also think it's important to point out when you're talking about these Soros-funded prosecutors, yes, they may do a high-profile politicized prosecution, uh, and that's bad, but the real victims are ordinary New Yorkers, ordinary Americans in all these different jurisdictions, that they get victimized every day because of the reckless political agenda that these Soros DAs bring to their job. They ignore crime and they empower criminals, and that hurts people. It hurts a lot of people every single day. The Soros district attorneys are a menace to society, and I'm just glad that I'm the only governor in the country that's actually removed one from office during my tenure. I'm sure you've heard that sentiment before. Do you think it's inaccurate? Um, I don't love the term Soros DAs. It's like saying Coke um, governors, you know, the Koch brothers got behind all kinds of governors and, and right-wing politicians. I don't, I don't like to vilify and demonize people. We can disagree with each other in this country without demonizing each other. So I and others have disagreements with a lot of the policies of, of progressives and, and, and liberals. That's fine. Let's, let's talk about those policies. Now, what's also interesting is that the heir apparent, the one I wrote about, um, Alex Soros, he's 37 years old. He's not exactly like his father. He's um, more much, left. 
He, well, he calls himself center More political, left. right? He's more political. I wouldn't say he's more left. He believes in free speech on campuses and elsewhere. I loved hearing that. When he told me about that, he emphasized that. Um, he's a big um, believer in Israel. He loves Israel. His father hasn't given anything to Jewish causes, whereas Alex, I think, is more open to that. I love the idea that we should have um, be more open to free speech and, 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 and campuses and elsewhere. So, listen, I'm hoping that there's a little more nuance to the next generation of Soros and that the policies aren't – I don't think the policies would be exactly the same. So how did he get it? I mean, doesn't he have a few marriages, a lot of kids? How did the younger guy, who you write was introverted and uh, and isolated kind of as a kid, now did he become this, this extrovert? And you see pictures of him with every powerful Democratic uh, politician and in the White House multiple times. Yeah, it's fascinating, Brian. It's a little bit like the uh, succession uh, television series where the least likely uh, son uh, or child has become George Soros's successor. This guy's 37. He for years was just seen as a playboy. He's in the gossip columns. He's got a model girlfriend. He's at the Knicks games all the time, front row, etc. And even within the foundation, within the organization, he hardly spoke up. People didn't consider him the likely heir apparent. But us quietly, he's been working hard and traveling the world and meeting with in, in people. And yeah, we focus on the politics side of things, but they do other kinds of things too, uh, education aspects, things that I think we can all agree with. Not uh, not all of them, but some of them we can. <laughs> and um, Alex Soros, in the end, emerged as the successor. It's funny, his older brother was seen as the likely heir apparent for years, and, and he has a lot more in common with George. But in the end, it was the unlikely 30 seven-year-old who's going to be taking over the empire. So, I mean, right now, Alvin Bragg, you see what's going on here in New York City. Today, there's a big story that a Jewish man was savagely beaten in a hate crime mob attack uh, by a Palestinian right in New York City. He's outraged because Bragg has now given the guy a lenient sentence of uh, 18 months. This guy's name is Joseph Borg, and he's 31 years old. He said, why is this guy getting a break? I really can't fashion why he's getting a deal. I want to go to trial. I want to see a, a full justice. What kind of message does it send to everybody that a hate crime like this attack on me because I'm Jewish? He was beat senseless, and the guy gets a slap on the wrist. Does that worry you? Of course it does. And, Brian, this individual, this uh, culprit, he said, I'm going to do it again. He specifically has mentioned, has, has, has been public about saying, he said, I'm going to do this again. So that scares me as a guy walking around New York City and it scares me but as Soros, an American. This, this, this is the school of thought that Soros wanted in power. This is the same thing that's happening, uh, not just anti-Semitism, but just pro-criminal attitude. See, that's the thing. I don't want to say we, he put him in office and we, we, that's the danger. We go he's overboard. He's backer. He is a key backer. I want to say Dem- he's City. Yes, yes. I'm not going to defend. Listen, I'm not. All I'm saying is let's disagree with their policies without vilifying and, and demonizing. So, or overstating it. The guy was elected. Bragg was elected. He, and wasn't he? I think he was reelected. But, but, but I don't think it's nothing to do with Soros. Every city is left leaning that we're talking about. Republicans don't even run people. Fine, but that's not Soros. These guys get elected. Now you and I can he argue. He picks them and puts them in there. No, he doesn't pick them. He supports them often. But the I ones do, that agree with him. Come on, Gregory. 
Yeah. Listen, I'm not going to defend. Don't point me. I don't have to. I'm not defending uh, policies of Alan Bragg. I'm not going to um, um, go that far. Trust me. Um, and, and but uh, but let's go get, find some some people. Let's get the electric uh, the the voters. Um, let, let's let, let's appeal to the voters a little do a better job than than vilifying people like Soros, I would argue. But there's very few people with the financial wherewithal to be able to compete with anybody that Soros puts forward. I don't know, Brian. And are, you know, Ron McDaniel is not going to be pouring money into the uh, attorney general of New York City. It's not the best place to do it because I, they don't have a shot. I don't know, Brian. I, I write about Wall Street. You know how many right-left conservative people there are? Ken Griffin, um, Mercers I, I deal with all the time. There's a lot of money on both sides. So you think they should get – I, yeah. I 100% agree. They've given up on the cities. Yes. And we're seeing the results. Yes. But when crime runs rampant, you would think that attorney general who's in the law and order business would do things to crack down, not become more lenient. Then you have more Danny Pennies of the world who has to stand up and choke out a would-be assailant because there's no cops around and cops don't want to do their job because no one backs them. Listen, I, I agree that um, so a lot of these policies have not worked. I also think people we need to be more focused uh, on the cities. And what's interesting to me is when I talk to the Soros people, they don't say – they're not some we love brag, we love these policies whatsoever. They actually think and, – and Alex, the, the heir apparent, the 37-year-old, has says that judges should have more leeway. And that's something that people it's on the right have been arguing to. Yeah. Exactly. So we've gotten a little bit overboard. So I, I have a feeling that some people, moderates in the Democratic Party, are open to changing some of these policies and reexamining them. And we've got to bring people together. Listen, I'm a straight down the middle moderate. I think we, should, we could all get together and reform some of these policies that have gone overboard. I would think so. Even the governor, the Democratic governor of New York, tried to do it. But the left-wing legislature yes, yes. with a supermajority stopped it from doing things. I was the charter that. schools that help the minority kids in these cities that need help, the, the results are, are under, indisputable. And now they don't want to launch charter schools because teachers unions put the Democrats in power and they can't go against the people to finance their campaign. And kids get the short end of the stick. Yeah. You know what? This country is a lot more moderate than you would think. And a lot of people love the idea of charter schools and competition for, for these public schools, and yeah, the teachers' unions are, are, are quite strong. So um, I think there are um, more voters that would support some of these more moderate, um, unifying policies. Right. we got we got to rev up the voter base. And just so you know, it's a New York story, but it's a national story. Danny Penning, a 24-year-old Marine, stood up when a homeless uh, violent guy with a long history of violence, couldn't know it at the time, stood up, started threatening people on a subway train. He tried to lock him up, put him in a suppression hold that ended up being a chokehold. He had other people help him. We don't know all the details, but sometime today we will find out if a grand jury will indict this kid uh, for doing what I thought was the 100 percent right thing and stepping up for a group of people he did not know, most of which were minorities. But because he's white, Black Lives Matter mobilized against him. Unfortunate all around, but the Danny Penny to me could find out his fate uh, in, in a matter of time. More with Greg Zuckerman, Wall Street Journal special writer, uh, best-selling author. Don't move. Greg, you can stick around, right? Sure. Great. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. It is worrying because 
We don't know any examples of more intelligent things being controlled by less intelligent things. I mean, with human societies, you often have dictators who aren't as intelligent as some of the peasants, but that's not a big difference. They're in the same league. But here, these things would get much more intelligent than us. And the worry is, can we keep them working for us when they're much more intelligent than us? They will have, for example, learned how to deceive. They'll be able to deceive us if they want to. How scary is this? Jeffrey Hinton, the godfather of uh, artificial intelligence, saying that we have created something that's smarter than us. Gregory Zuckerman is smarter than me. He is uh, the Wall Street Journal special writer, best-selling author, uh, and he has a great column out, George Soros' Hand Controls, uh, 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 Hands Control over to his 37-year-old son. But, Greg, I just want to get your impression. You're a big-picture guy. Mm. Have you ever seen more smart people more concerned about a new technology? And it's new technology that they created, too. Jeffrey Hinton is the godfather. He's the guy behind a lot of these efforts. He's been doing it for decades. I've been following his career for years. So for him to be concerned, he's not some outsider, professor, academic, whatever. He's played a big Altman role. too, right? Yes, all these guys. So it, it's, it's, uh, it is a little scary, I have to tell you, Brian. It's also fascinating to me how many experts are confused about the future and what will happen. And, and again, they're the ones who created the artificial intelligence. There's going to be a lot of really positive aspects when it comes to um, healthcare and looking for drugs, using AI. There are a lot I mean, of- we have Paul McCartney coming out saying I'm making a new Beatles album with John Lennon's voice. Yeah, hey, listen, that should be the worst of what happens of, oh, with, that's with the AI. Good stuff. <laughs> yes. So I want you to hear what Hinton went on to say. Listen to this. Are you going to be spending time on solving this problem? I think I'm too old to solve new problems. I've done my, I've done my bit of solving problems. I, I will help, but I'm planning to retire. Uh, you, leave, you leave us. <laughs> that doesn't do you leave out the humanity in a lurch. Uh... Yeah, it doesn't sound good, does it? Yeah. <laughs> Think about this. I'm, I'm watching this on Sunday. I go, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. You can't do that, can you? You create Gigantor and then unleash it on the world? I mean, to defend Jeffrey Hinton, the guy literally has a tough time standing up. Um, he has these special planes when he flies. Uh, he sits down. He, he has a tough time. His back is a mess. So oh. I get why physically he's unable. But in general, some of these people have created AI. Now they're like, hey, I don't know what's going to happen. We need some guardrails here. Well, you, you're at the forefront of this thing. You should be creating the guardrails. Right. And lastly, there's two things. We're coming on. Both parties are coming together on AI and they're coming together on China. Yeah. yeah. Do you think we fully understand the threat of China and their true mission? And are they vulnerable, more vulnerable economically than you, than one would think? It is encouraging that both sides are concerned about China. You, you make a good point, Brian. Um, Democrats uh, uh, that I've been following and, and monitoring seem just as concerned. Uh, listen, um, is there more we can do? For, for sure. But let's look for these kind of areas where there is some unity. And what they've done elsewhere in, in, in terms of harming people and, and the Uyghurs, the, that Muslim population, and, and elsewhere, we need more focus and publicity about that. All right. What's your next project? Uh, something in the trading world, something about some people taking risks and the impact of, on, on us all. Oh, I was going to do that. Now I'll do something else. <laughs> Greg Zuckerman, <laughs> thanks so much. We'll read all your stuff. Appreciate it. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. 
Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.